welcome to episode 238 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast, Summer Shorts and Favorite Fields, Surfing the Summer Star Clouds. I'm Chris, joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up the night sky, and this podcast is for anyone else who likes going out under the stars. So, Shane, do you ever look at star clouds through your binoculars or little telescopes? Yeah, I really enjoy star clouds. They, um, uh, they, they jump out, you know, as kind of a big... Well, typically a larger area of uh, really dense stars. And sometimes it, you know, looks like just almost nebulous, like a, a cloud up there. But yeah, they're a lot of fun. So the question everybody wants to know, Shane, do star clouds predict meteor showers? Mm, no, I don't believe so. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, meteor showers are uh, the results of comets passing through our solar system and really nothing to do with stars. Okay. All right. So star clouds, these are uh, denser regions of, uh, of stars in our own Milky Way galaxy, at least the ones that we're talking about, uh, dust and gas and regions that appear uh, perhaps just defined uh, by obscuring uh, matter. But one of the ones I'm going to start with is, uh, is, is this one. This one is uh, among my favorites and among the least observed because it's been missed catalog. I'm not going to get into that. I think I talked about it in the Scorpius episode, um, but that is NGC 6445 in Scorpius, which is just to the southwest of Ptolemy's cluster M7, just off Shola there. So if you have a really dark location, you can actually see there's a star cloud hanging off, or, or perhaps more appropriately, uh, Messi 7 looks like it's hanging off a star cloud there. And uh, I think it was John Herschel um, who noted this, but then in subsequent um, uh, interpretations of his work, it's been noted that uh, that it's an open cluster, but uh, that's that's not what he had intended. He had intended that to be um, uh, basically a big uh, star cloud for people to go and take a look at. So pretty cool. Have you ever looked at, I think you looked at that one because I noticed we were in grasslands together. I think I was pointing it out to people and you guys were like, what are you looking at? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that night. It's uh, it's very interesting for sure. Mm. Moving up from there, we get to the central bulge of the Milky Way, and this this is the one that most people um, are going to be a little bit more familiar with, which is the large Sagittarius star cloud, um, our central bulge, downtown Milky Way, and uh, the black hole home. So it's pretty easy to find. How, how would you describe how to find the large Sagittarius star cloud, Shane? Um, I kind of need a star chart actually, but well, it's, look, uh, it's off the top of the, the teapot again. Is, is it not? Well, it's just off the, the top of the spout. So spout, the, yeah, 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 yeah. So the spout of the, uh, of, of the teapot asterism of Sagittarius kind of looks like it has steam coming out of it. Right. And that's the large Sagittarius star cloud. The, the one, and, and this, uh, often gets, Flipped because we think that the large Sagittarius star cloud is going to be um, like the more well-known one. And it's actually uh, less well-known because Messier cataloged the small Sagittarius star cloud, which is off the, uh, off, off the top of uh, Sagittarius there in the Milky Way. And, uh, and it's, it's the one that, that most people are trying to look for when they're doing their Messier um, observational uh, you know, list. Anyway, so Messier 24 is, is a little bit difficult for newcomers because often what they're looking for is a star cluster. They've never really looked uh, at a star cloud before. And if you look at it through a telescope, especially a really small telescope or a telescope with a small field of view, like 
a, a lot of newcomers might uh, might be using, you're 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 not really going to see that um, that is anything like a cluster. It's just going to be a super rich region of of the Milky Way. And what you're actually looking at here isn't a separate star cloud per se. You're actually seeing um, background stars in just the super rich uh, region towards the core of our Milky Way. And you're looking through what's called Bade's window. So this is just an area of, um, of the night sky that doesn't have sort of towards the Milky Way that doesn't have uh, that much material between us and a lot of the background stars. So you're actually kind of looking through a window and you can see there's sort of like this, um, you know, greater than um, dark nebula just below that, that kind of cuts into that. So you can actually see some of the obscuring matter that you're sort of looking past to, to see the Sagittarius star cloud or the, the small Sagittarius star cloud as, uh, as it's known. So, yeah. What, do you have any uh, good memories of the Sagittarius star cloud, the small one there? Um, well, more so just supporting that it, it can be a little difficult for newcomers. Um, I remember early on in my uh, observing life that uh, like I was working through the Messier list and I did struggle with this one a little bit um, because it, it is very different from clusters that I was used to at that point. In fact, I think this was the first star cloud I had observed and uh, it did take me a little while to locate it. But once I did, it was very obvious. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's something you can see with your unaided eye. You actually, you know, trying to look at it through a telescope. You know, if you're just looking at a at a messy uh, marathon chart or you know something that's guiding you to do your messy objects, and you just kind of put your finder scope on that region of the sky, and then you look through the telescope. Um, there are, I think it's NGC six six zero three or something like that. Anyway, there there is a cluster there, and that's what a lot of people actually log. So when I used to go through. Um, people's uh, observational logs for the uh, for the messy objects um, when I was doing the certificate uh, as the National Observing Chair, I, I would frequently see people sketch out NGC 6603 and not uh, and not actually take note of uh, of the actual star cloud itself. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So that's that. And then going up from there, we talked a little bit about this in the last episode, but that's that Scutum star cloud, which I, I actually think that this is uh, an underappreciated, extremely beautiful star cloud. I think this is the most beautiful star cloud. Um, and, and in many ways, I think that this um, should have been on the Messier list, not the, uh, not the Sagittarius star cloud. There's a debate for you. Yeah, well, interesting. Um, yeah, definitely. This is a beautiful one to look at. And uh, if you've never seen this one before, add it to your list for this summer. Yeah, it's got this there. It's it's I think it's a little bit brighter than the Sagittarius star cloud. It's mm -hmm. definitely, um, you know, much higher here for us. So uh, it does shine super bright. It's got this beautiful like golf putter type asterism, and it's so well defined, especially along that northern edge. There's a, a big kidney shaped uh, dark nebula there that really defines it. There's some other dark nebula that's surrounded. And, um, you know, just when you're panning with your binoculars or small low power telescopes, just, just having that dark material frame it so well really makes it uh, pop through, through optics. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's another one and it, it's pretty obvious once you get it in the field of view. Yeah. I actually think it was noted in bears, uh, urinometria 1603. I think I wrote a paper on that once, but, uh, wasn't uh it wasn't in the text but if you actually look at the uh at the chart print um he had filled it in a little bit richer in that area so i think it was something that uh that was noted uh 
before uh, before the telescopes were being pointed at the sky. And it is clearly uh, easy to see with uh, with your unaided eye from a dark site. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Then, you know, I get to this point, I'm like, all right, we're up in, um, up in the region of Scutum. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Aquila next. There's not really too much in the way of star clouds right in Aquila. Um, you start to get into some as you get in through uh, Sagita and Volpecula. But then once you get to Cygnus, that's mm-hmm. like really star cloud central, eh? Oh yeah. The, you're, you're still in kind of the backbone or the heart of the Milky way there. So it's very rich, uh, part of the sky. And it's one of these things like, uh, a lot of people can identify Cygnus from light polluted skies. Mm-hmm. But when you put optics on there, uh, even binoculars, it will probably shock you the first time, how many stars you begin to see once, uh, once you do that. Yeah. Even from the city. And now I live sort of towards the edge of the city, but, um, there's, there's lots of lights around there, as you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I get into my reclining lawn chair and look up when Cygnus is, is overhead um, and shield my eyes from the lights that are around, I can I can actually see the, the Milky Way running through Cygnus on, uh, on really, really good summer nights. Like you can actually see that um, even from, uh, you know, sort of moderate light polluted uh, city skies for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, but it's best if you get to a dark site and then all you do is get in that reclining lawn chair, like we recommend you, uh, you kick back and, uh, and then you start scanning, starting at Alberio, which is, uh, the bright star at the front of, uh, of the cross or the bottom of the cross of Cygnus. And then you can just sort of pan along until you get to Deneb and then, uh, and you can keep going from there and go around and do Lacerda and then up into uh, Cephas. That whole region has these uh, just beautiful star clouds, which are well uh, well defined uh, by the dark nebula in the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right, so that's it for star clouds. You know, you can get into the northern sky too and cruise on through. Uh, Cassiopeia has a few, as does uh, as does uh, and you know some of the other constellations in the area. Like there's some star clouds that even extend up into a Camelopardalis. Uh, but we're really focused on just the summer ones. Do you have anything else to add to the uh, to the tour of the summer star cloud chain? Well, you know, once you've done you know all of this stuff that we've just talked about, kind of a neat thing to do is to start maybe around Cygnus because again, it's fairly easy to identify in the sky, and then just slowly sweep from Cygnus all the way down, follow the Milky Way, and follow it down to Sagittarius, all the way down to the horizon. Mm-hmm. And just see what you can observe. Um, you, yeah. You're probably going to notice all sorts of little faint puffs of light. And there's a number of other, uh, you know, smaller clusters and things that will probably become visible through binoculars. Um, and again, it's just such a rich part of the sky. Um, now is the time to observe it because we we lose this a little bit into the fall. And um, uh, like at least the, the, the Southern part of the Milky way, the Sagittarius region will start to disappear on us. So, um, you know, take advantage of the time because it's a beautiful area. All right. Well, thanks Shane. Thanks everybody for listening and be sure to subscribe. And we're always excited to get your observing emails to actualastronomy at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Thank you everyone for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, Or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com.